when you would talk to people that you saw that you thought were out there walleye fishing, they were real tight-lipped. It was a secret that there was walleye in Tennessee. <laughs> and so I, I was thinking, it's like, how can we, or how can I, I was a little selfish, how can I learn to catch more walleye in Tennessee? Well, let's go to social media and then started scouring social media, nothing on there, right? And so I was like, well, you know, I see all these walleye groups everywhere else. Let's just make a Tennessee page. And then it was like, everybody started getting on there. And then then you start getting the emails and the, and the Facebook messages and stuff where people are like, you need to take this site down. You're ruining the walleye fishing in Tennessee. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fish rolling around these lakes. We're fine, you know. Let's get other people out there interested in these fish because it's amazing table fare, you know. Indeed. Walleye, perch, crappie. And well, that's kind of where I got into it is, you know, just trying to get people to learn and geared more towards walleye. Walleye fishing in Tennessee was just like this huge secret. The award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. we got a great show lined up for you today. We are back at the John Severe Hunter Education Center outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Matt Cameron is helping me co-host, and he's lined up some great shows while we've been here, and another great one for you today. We've had a ball talking some great guests and i uh, got a, a, a good friend of mine that I, I met in the field so I'm, I'm stoked to have him on the show today literally you came across him on a fishing trip correct right? and like talk to this guy <laughs> he yeah knows what he's doing <laughs> he, he does it was, it was pretty well apparent that he did at the time so I'm, I'm like i've said before i'm not a great outdoorsman but i know a lot of them so i, I try to align myself with them and try to learn all i can from them he's very sharing of his knowledge so not to get too far into the woods yet i know you got some shout outs to do on radio stations yeah here are our podcast so. well and we're talking about Stephen paul so i'll just throw that out thanks for being here buddy yeah thanks for having me guys. uh look forward to talking fishing and hunting with you today uh yes radio station wcsk 90.3 fm we appreciate our radio partners and this station is out of kingsport uh they run our show at 5 a.m uh, on Saturdays and Sundays, so if you're an early riser going to the woods, yeah. uh, tune us in. Tennessee Wildcast is on that station, and we appreciate them. That is 90.3 WCSK. Uh, so tune us in there, and uh, or follow us on the podcasting app. Follow us on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you want to find us. We're out there, and uh, we appreciate folks tuning in and listening and watching the show. All right, so Stephen, thanks for coming in today, buddy. Um, big hunter, big fisherman. Right now, you're you're kind of in the deer woods right now, right? That's that's your focus right now. And uh, Matt said you hopped out of the truck and you said, "Man, you had like a downer story." We're gonna start with that. Yeah, just get that out of the way. <laughs> and then we'll fun. jump into some of this other stuff. But yes, tell us how your your hunting season's going right now. <laughs> well, this weekend, guys, I uh, I was up at uh, the Holston Army Ammunition Plant. Uh, lucky enough to get drawn for one of those hunts. You know, they only do a hundred hunters a year. Mm-hmm. I think they had a thousand applicants this year. Um, hunted Sunday morning, you know, and up there it's earn a buck, right? So you got to kill a doe. You got to kill a mature doe 
before you have a chance of killing one of those big booners they got up there. And you take it out and check it out. Then you go back in the woods. Yeah. So you bring it, drag it out to the road. One of their, you know, volunteers will come by, pick you up. You take it in. They take a jawbone. You know, they age the deer, weigh it, get all the statistics off of it. And then hand you your buck tag, and then you're free to go back out to your stand. Mm. Now, so first thing in the morning, you draw a stand, okay. right? And they've got stands already set up, or they've got locations, so you can tell them, "Hey, I, I brought my own stand. You know, I brought my own climber, or saddle, or, or hang on, you know, lock on, what have you." And uh, if you do, they say, "Well, do you want to hunt one of our stands, or do you want to hunt one of the areas that doesn't have a stand that you can put up your own for today?" And I was like, well, I'm going to hunt one of those areas. So I reach in the bucket and pull it out. And everyone kind of looks around and says, oh, he got the ballpark, you know. And I was like, well, what's up there? And they said, have you seen that buck running around social media? I mean, I said, yeah. He's like, he's running around up there. <laughs> and I'm telling you, guys, this is as close as 200 inches you're going to get if you haven't seen yeah. him running around. Just kind of look for it. You'll find it. Wow. Right. And so I was kind of excited. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm up there. But you got to kill that doe first, right? Right. 8.30 in the morning, I see a mature doe slipping through. You know, she comes by, had her 17-yard chip shot. You know, I was hunting out of a saddle. And this is where practice with what you wear comes into play, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been practicing out of the saddle. I didn't have my bino harness on. So this morning, that morning, I had my bino harness on, drew back on her, set that pin behind her shoulder, squeezed off my release, and felt my bino harness get slapped at the string. Uh-huh. And I sent that arrow right over top of that doe. Mm-hmm. At that point, yeah, <laughs> buddy, I have never been this sick ever, right? Just, just, oh, it, it gets you because deer hunts, deer hunting, you know, you may sure. see a hundred deer, you may not see any, but I seen that one that gives me a chance to kill a big buck mm-hmm. and I blew that opportunity. And the fact that you mentioned this hunt, uh, you can kill the buck then, or you might get invited back, right? Yeah. Yeah. You either, you finish out the day hunting for a buck. Or if you don't fill your buck tag, you get to come back at a date to be determined, which, you know, this year is going to be early November and get that chance of fill on that buck tag. And even on their bucks, I mean, they have a, it's an eight point minimum. You can't kill anything less than eight points. And I mean, they've got some absolute booners right there. Right up there. And, and wow. this Kingsport radio station is perfect because this is near Kingsport, yeah, Tennessee, right outside. It's mm-hmm. H-A-A-P and, um, I don't, we could go down a hundred roads with this, but it, we want to talk about quality deer management. People talk about East Tennessee doesn't have very many quality buck deer and, and we don't by and large, but if managed properly, like Bruce, what's his last name? Uh, he manages you know Colston up there. Great, great guy. Yeah. He's done a fantastic job. If you manage it properly and you get the age and the buck doe ratio correct, you can have monster buck deer in yeah. the hills of East Tennessee. And, and why I really want to harp on this was he got out of the truck talking about being sick. He's like, I missed a doe at 17 yards. I'm like, man, Steve's just eat up with, with deer hunting. He didn't tell me about the 200-inch non-typical <laughs> buck that he didn't get the chance to hunt. So it all kind of made sense after he showed me the picture. Yeah. Thing. So it's it's a freak. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Those guys are doing a great job out there. Bruce, this guy you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome to know there's that many big deer on that property you know, and shout out to him he actually retires this year like oh, okay. he's he's been there since 1998 and this was his last year holding this hunt because he is moving on you know and enjoying the retired life so mm-hmm. so hopefully whoever comes in after him is able to you know uh build off the foundation he's yeah. created and continue that you know history or that you know that that amount that quality of deer that they have up there so. yeah awesome and speaking of army 
my friend here, mm-hmm. he's a military veteran, injured in in duty. Yeah. So, um, served uh, eight years, a little over eight years, uh, a couple combat tours, Afghanistan, um, been to Syria, Iraq. Mm. Um, but you know what? I I miss it every day, you know, and biggest thing that I like to do now is pay it forward, being an outdoorsman, being a conservationist, you know, getting others who haven't had that chance, you know, because having those injuries and seeing other guys that, you know, they're missing part of themselves, whether it's physically or mentally coming back from, you know, those tours, healing in the outdoors is, is a big, big opportunity for a lot of those guys. So I like being able to, you know, help with the outreach and, you know, and and I'll give a little shout out to rally point outdoors out of Clarksville, Tennessee, Fort Campbell area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Matt Wellman is the CEO there and he does a lot of good work with a lot of, uh, veteran organizations. I think he's sending, uh, four guys to, uh, uh, Illinois on a big muzzleloader hunt, hunt with Hushin this year. And so, I mean, just a lot of things that go on that he does that are getting veterans back out in the outdoors and in that healing space for them. So, yeah, true, true to style. Try to give him a pat on the back. He defers any kind of attention to <laughs> something else and another mission. But thank you for your military service. We appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for your service and thanks for giving back to those who have been through a lot. And, yeah. and uh, it's amazing what God's creation, how his creation can kind of, you know, Bring some healing. You know, yeah, absolutely. Being outdoors and enjoying what's out there. So you love to hunt. We're going to dive into fishing today. But you were saying once once December 1st rolls around, you're packing up the deer stuff and heading to the duck blind, right? You know, I didn't grow up duck hunting, right? I got introduced duck hunting the past, you know, several years. And I just never thought that sitting in a duck blind, just hanging out with the guys, eating breakfast, could just be so much fun, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I've been lucky enough to draw a blind on Dover uh, two years in a row now. And so um, going out there and, you know, mm-hmm. TWRA putting on a good good area at the uh, Barkley WMA and hunting those blinds and killing ducks. I mean, there's nothing like it. So it has really changed up. Um what I do late in the season, usually, you know, before duck hunt, I was just kind of transitioning, getting all my fishing gear ready, you know, and moving mm-hmm. on. but I've kind of filled that space now. And also just being able to take the kids out, right. Being able to have them in the outdoors. It's hard to take a kid out on a deer stand when it's, you know, 10 degrees outside. Oh, yeah. It's just cold. Right. But you get them in that duck blind with the heater going and your breakfast cooking. I mean, my, my, uh, two boys, they are just ate up with it right now. That's all they want to do is duck hunt. So yeah. too bad we live in the wrong part of the state to do it. <laughs> so you say that though, right? But they're out there. We went out during the early teal woody season this year and we did some really, you know, we had a lot of fun, killed a bunch of ducks, you know, and now I'll tell you, we were up in your neck of the woods up around the white pine area, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, we seen, there's one more now. We've probably seen a hundred wood ducks. Hmm. Do you have good so, early wood yeah. duck and teal hunting in September? Yeah. The late so, season duck hunting's hit or miss depending on the weather here in East Tennessee. You can kill ducks, but yep. I figured out, man, there's a whole lot of investment and time spent for very little reward. That it got to the point where it wasn't worth it to me to put all that work and, and money into it to continue doing it regularly yeah hunt east tennessee at all yeah we but, we still hunt east tennessee especially yeah. you know throughout the week you know make a quick run or you know we got a day that we ain't got nothing going on monday through friday we'll run up you know um it's one of the wmas around here and you know i'll tell you ranking 
mm-hmm. you know, we'll run up to Rankin. We actually, you guys got a pintail hanging on the wall over there mounted up. We killed a pintail out of Rankin last year. Heck yeah. And, um, but there's other, you know, float the rivers, other yes. WMAs and stuff that you guys can do. Um, and, uh, we, I mean, like you said, are we going to go in there and kill limits now? But you know what? It's a chance to get out there to practice your duck calling to see what's working, what's not. I mean, there's geese all over too. Oh Lord. And a bunch flying over there. Yeah. And so it, it's just, it's a way to, if you could kill ducks in East Tennessee with the limited amount there are, and then you go out to West Tennessee, it's like, <laughs> this is too easy, you know? Yeah. So, so I think that's what ruined me. So, and that's what, yeah, we went <laughs> out to, uh, I went out to Dyersburg a couple of years ago on the veterans hunt, uh, one of the veterans weekends that TWRA puts on mm-hmm. and, uh, three hours, eight of us limited out. And it was one of those 10 degree mornings, spitting snow. It was miserable, right? Wow. But I mean, the ducks were flying. The Steve, Steve show, and I don't, I'm trying to steal his thunder, but that's what got me interested in duck hunting was when I was 16 up on um, the Williams farm off of the French Broad River near where the Pigeon River runs in. People local will know what I'm talking about, but there was a low spot in the field. Water would back up into this cornfield. And, and my, my dad's buddies took me duck hunting that morning. And I think between the group, we killed 36 ducks that mm-hmm. day, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind, <laughs> is duck hunting. I bought everything, and I probably hadn't killed 36 ducks, you know, since since then. But it was just one of those mornings where the stars aligned, the weather was bad. We had to scoop ice out, you know, every 30 minutes out yeah. of that pothole to keep the decoys floating. And if you can get into a good hot duck hunt, it's it's probably the funnest thing I've ever done in the outdoors. It'll lock you in, won't it? Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Like you're saying, I've, I haven't had a day like that since, but I still got the bug. So. <laughs> yeah, you can't get rid of yeah, it, man. Can't. Can't. In- inject it into you. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, have you grown up doing this your whole life? Uh, we haven't really touched on your history, but have you hunted your whole life? Did, did you grow up yeah, learning to I, hunt and fish? So, I mean, as soon as I was able to walk, Dad had me running around. I was awesome. running trap lines with my grandfather. Um, grew up hunting, trapping, fishing, just, just everything, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I don't want to say I took a hiatus during my military time, but, you know, the military, it's a job. You know, I deployed three times, yeah. you know, spent some time in other countries. I was stationed in Colorado for six years. Um, out of that six years, though, a lot of it was spent overseas. Mm-hmm. But being able to come back and enjoy the outdoors out there and get to see things that I wouldn't be able to see here in Tennessee. Um, mule deer. And I mean, we've got elk here now, so, you know, but being able to hear them bugle sure. and stuff in the mountains. But, yeah, that's cool. So, but then moving back here and then just picking it right back up, like right back hunting and fishing and it, it consumes me, right? You know, and mm-hmm. that's, that's, if I'm, work gets in the way of hunting and fishing, I'll tell you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think uh, working for the wildlife agency, you'd be in the woods all the time, but uh, work can get in the way of it hunting does. and fishing. Yeah. <laughs> for us, correct. Uh, so, and then you pass it on to your kids. You talk about your boys. Uh, I'm sure they love to get out there with you. Oh yeah, they do. Um, like I said, I, my son's a senior in high school this year. He's finished up getting ready to go to college and he's kind of eased up on the deer hunting. I think it got a little too easy for him. Right. <laughs> there's, there's guys listening to this like, what are you talking about? I mean, the kid, the kid's lucky. He just walks out. I mean, last year we didn't even make it 20 feet into the woods and three does are standing there staring at him. And he's like, can I shoot one? I was like, yeah, go ahead, son. And he's like, all right, can we go home now? <laughs> <laughs> all right. But, I mean, every chance he gets, Dad, can we go duck hunt? Can we go duck hunt? Can we go duck hunt? I'm like, yeah, let's go. You know, because I never want to discourage them from being in the outdoors and doing what I love. 
gives me the chance to spend more quality time with them as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and I've got a seven year old right now that I mean, he is just ate up with it. Squirrel hunting, rabbit, deer. If we ain't hunting, he's like, dad, can we go fishing? Can we go fishing? You know, can we go to the pond? And it's just like, yeah, let's go. That's going to stick with him that, Hey, we went fishing. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. And you made a good point there going, um, rabbit hunting, small game hunting, pond fishing, things that are low hanging fruit yeah for success i think it's important especially with kids mm-hmm. a lot of kids have been turned off on hunting period because their dad took them deer hunting in december and it's cold and they had to sit still and be quiet and all that stuff and they're like well this, i don't want to do this we didn't see anything but if you can do something that's uh, interactive like that small game hunting and fishing pond fishing mm-hmm. you can really get a kid hooked and one thing I like about it is it's something that I probably wouldn't do anymore by myself. Yeah. But I take the time out to do it. No, I, I've got other things I've got to do, right? Chores around the house, work, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But taking the kids out makes me fall in love with it all over again. It's like, why did I stop doing this? And the <laughs> yeah. big thing is finding new recipes, you know, and, you know, eating squirrel and rabbit. Because oh, yeah. if I... If I had to eat squirrel and rabbit the way I did growing up, I'd never feed it to my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's a lot of uh, cool Facebook groups and different things out there to find new recipes. Oh, yeah. yeah, Definitely. Being members of some of those smoking groups, learn how to smoke smoke your meats and things like that. Man, it's it's cool. It's fun to experiment. Well, uh, and it's fun to fish and chase walleye, too. And that's how you guys met. Uh, there's a video out there um, where y'all got together and did a did a drop the tailgate on correct uh, how to catch walleye and different techniques and I'd love to dive into some of that today and uh, just how'd you get started in walleye fishing and and how how'd the group come about you created a group on Facebook so people could come together and learn more yeah um, well you know I grew up up in the Speedway area Claiborne County. Um, Tennessee and you know we got the Powell River up there and back you know growing up our farm was not far off of the Powell River kind of up near Earl's Holler boat landing and so we'd go fish the spring all the time for walleye and I just kind of fell in love with it my um, my grandparents moved to Ohio and um, going up there that that's that's like the fish in Ohio right Mm -hmm. Um, Lake Erie that kind of stuff so going up there fishing up there um, even when, like I was talking about station in Colorado, big game fish out in Colorado is mm-hmm. walleye. So I was able to just kind of stick with that. Right. Yeah. So around the areas. And then when I came back to Tennessee, you know, after getting out of the military, I just noticed it was something had changed, right. From when I was a kid until coming back here in 2016, something had changed. Like I just couldn't, the walleye just weren't doing where I thought they would be. And so I started putting those those techniques I had learned at Lake Erie out in Colorado because Lake Erie is not a reservoir. You know, it's not a 250 foot reservoir like we have here in East Tennessee. However, a lot of lakes in Colorado are. Mm. So learning those techniques and bringing them back here, I started catching more fish. But then when you would talk to people that you saw that you thought were out there walleye fishing, they were real tight lipped. It was a secret that there was walleye in Tennessee. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so I, I was thinking, it's like, how can we, or how can I, learn i was a little selfish how can i learn to catch more walleye in tennessee well let's go to social media and then started scouring social media nothing on there right and so i was like well you know i see all these walleye groups everywhere else let's just make a tennessee page and then it was like everybody started getting on there and then 
then you start getting the emails and the, t- and the Facebook messages and stuff where people are like, you need to take this site down. You're ruining the walleye fishing in Tennessee, uh-huh. you know, and, and it's just like there's, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fish rolling around these lakes. We're fine, you know. Let's get other people out there interested in these fish because it's amazing table fare, you know. Indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, walleye, perch, crappie, and... You know, maybe that's a new secret we'll put out as perch out in Mountain Hill, you know, <laughs> so, but, uh, fish for but, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I got into it is, you know, just trying to get people to learn and geared more towards walleye, um, here in Tennessee. Cause you know, obviously we have Bassmaster Classic, we have bass tournaments, and everything that come to East Tennessee all the time, but you don't see the, um, the amount the interest in walleye that there is. Like you can go over to Bass Pro there in Kodak just uh just outside Sevierville, Gatlinburg, mm-hmm. and you're going to find very limited walleye gear yeah. right but you'll find all the bass and crappie gear that you that you could want right but they started carrying more now that the guys have started asking for and stuff like that but you go around to a lot of these local bait shops and they're carrying a bunch more walleye stuff because guys are coming in there and just buying it out right and that's what i like to do is like to shop local i've got a guy who makes all my jigs here that's local to east tennessee mm-hmm. And that way we keep the community, you know, that, that money goes back into the community in the area and not necessarily buying everything off of online and getting it shipped in and and stuff yeah. like that. So, but, um, yeah, so that, that's where it's just te- walleye fishing in Tennessee was just like this huge secret, mm. right? And that's what we were up, um, fishing a tournament up at Lake Erie a couple of years back. And a guy was like, "Oh, you guys are out of Knoxville, Tennessee. What do you guys know about walleye?" And I said, "Only that the state re- or only that the world record comes out of Tennessee." <laughs> and he kind of looked at me like, "Are you are you serious?" And Blows he, their mind. He yeah. came back to me after the after everything was done. So my like, buddy, I did not know that. I'm like, yeah, nineteen sixty, Mabry Harper. That's yeah. how you say her name. Something like that. Yeah, twenty five pounds even, yeah. old Hickory Lake, yep. and they took it home and ate it. I mean, you know, that was yeah. a big fish, but, man, that was a lot of food for them folks back then, especially. Have you ever fished Old Hickory? Not to diverge. Um, yeah, I fished Old Hickory. I got a buddy who lives out there and uh, yeah. around the Nashville area, and he's taking me out there. Did we really talk target walleye? Not really. We okay. were after, you know, stripe, the hybrid striped mm-hmm. bass, striped bass, that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't know if they were still there in big numbers or not. I- they're there. Um, it's just it's tough you've you've got to fish the lakes and uh, a lot of these reservoirs if you want to target walleye the easiest place to go is right below the dams mm. right and fish those wing dams yeah. fish the dams and you'll catch a walleye there um furthest west that right now that i go to deliberately would be rock island state park there on uh, center hill lake yeah uh, the spring run there can be really really good and i've seen some big fish caught out of there and there's some old timers there that t- they tell you stories about well i've seen i've seen them you know and <laughs> you know are they 20 pounders again not really but if you think about southern states and how many southern states have walleye over 20 pounds i think tennessee has three um walleye that have gone over 20 pounds right and you go to those more northern states that um that are you know known for walleye you know in minnesota ohio wisconsin that kind of stuff they don't have 20 pounds they've never had a 20 pound walleye caught hmm. right but you come down here to the south where people don't think of walleye and you know that's that's where they come arkansas i think's got two tennessee's got three i think virginia's got a couple right we, so. we've got the world record um smallmouth bass too and world record walleye and john hammond's fisheries biologist says because we're on the southern end of those fishes range because they're more of a colder water fish that's why they grow 
bigger here. They've just got more opportunity during the warm months to get bigger. Um, of course, that was 1952, maybe, when D.L. Hayes caught that world record yeah. smallmouth. Yeah. 1960, when that world record uh, walleye was caught. Will those ever be broken? I don't think so. I think the reservoirs were young and healthy and more productive then. It'd be freaking awesome if somebody caught a 25-plus pound walleye or a 12-pound smallmouth, but, man, it hadn't happened in over half a century now. No, it hasn't. But, like you said, can it happen? It can, right? With the with everything that TWRA has been doing, we've been doing the right things, making sure the invasive species stay out, um, and just building a good ecosystem for those fish. Will it happen? It's just it's something different. You it's, know? That's it's, what keeps people going yeah. to the yeah to the lake, right? <laughs> Is will it happen? Um, talk about um, I went fishing with you in the spring in the spawning run, and that's when I targeted them. And a lot of guys were the same way as me. Outside of that, I don't I didn't really walleye fish, and I don't. But you talk about guys catching them all summer in the rivers and stuff. Can you talk about a few more ways people can catch some walleye other than going out during the spawning run? Yeah, um, I had a lot of guys reach out to me this year and was talking to me about. You know, they're summertime fishing, right? And everyone thinks walleye is a, is a cold water fish, right? And to an extent, I would say they're a cool water fish. You know, you're not going to catch them when it's 80, 90 degree water. So you need to find that cooler water. But a lot of guys were fishing seven, eight, and seven and eight feet of water, actually, you know, and uh, pulling worm harnesses during June and July. And they were just, you know, they were cleaning up, catching good fish. Mm. Um, so having that time and finding those areas, you know, and I'll tell you, Douglas has some areas, um, the Cherokee Lake has some areas that you get into that shallower water during the summer months and you'll find the fish up there. Um, you have to move up into the moving water. Yeah. You talk. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're fishing that shallow, you need to be up in the, the moving, there needs to be current, mm -hmm. right? Fish are sitting there. They're, you know, the bait fish have moved up into that cooler, swifter running water and the walleye followed them as well. Mm. Um, and a worm harness is, I mean, as simple as it gets, six beads, a Colorado number four blade, two trailer hooks, and run a night crawler off the back of it. And, uh, you know, you can catch some walleye that way. Wow. Um, a lot of guys are, um, when the alewife spawn, right, fishing nighttime during the summer, throwing some glow lights out, getting the shad to start circling around there. You know, they may be snagging shad or, you know, just dropping, um, uh, they call them mana lures or j just uh, jig jigging spoons, mm -hmm. dropping those down, catching walleye that way. So walleye is not a spring, you know, not only a spring time uh, fishing. You know, they're it's easy because they're congregated. They're all moving up. They're getting ready to spawn, right? But those fish are in the same areas all year long. You know, not all the fish move down the river system you know not all the fish disperse so if you're catching them there during the spring there's a good chance you're going to catch them there during the summer as well just got to change your tactics up a little bit that's good to hear you you talk about fishing walleye and uh on erie and fishing a tournament trail and all that up there and techniques you learn there you're bringing them down here and having some success with them yeah um big thing up there is we we think of fishing big baits right walleye everyone the bandit it's a bandit um uh walleye uh what, what's it called it, it's a crankbait deep walleye crankbait is mm -hmm. what they call it and it's a seven seven and a half inch lure and a lot of guys think oh big baits they're going to catch big walleye but you got to kind of match what you're fishing you know the bait fish you're fishing as well 
Right. So knowing that like up at Lake Erie, we noticed that when the smelt would move in and the fish were moving out east, they were we were going down, slimming down our bait size, taking our bait profiles a lot smaller into three to four inch fish, three to four inch baits or baits versus the seven to eight inch baits and catching a lot bigger fish. So that's what we kind of did, you know, coming down here is wow. matched what, you know, hey, those alewife, those gizzard chat, they're spawning now. Let's let's move our baits down. Let's go with a smaller profile. And we started, you know, catching the fish that way as well. So matching up what you're learning. That's, yeah. you know, just trying new techniques. That's awesome. And then he had one closing word he wanted to say. It doesn't involve okay. walleye fishing. What's your, your word of wisdom you want to share? Um, kill more does. <laughs> That's right. We've learned yeah. at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of better deer hunting, you could take out some of those does and create that better ratio. That's yeah. one way of doing it. Uh, it is. It's been fun, Stephen. We could have talked for another half hour or two, At least. probably. And, uh, but we'll have to have you back sometime and maybe get out on the water and do some more fishing. Absolutely. Love to have you guys. Uh, appreciate your insight. Thanks for sharing things. You know, some folks yes. want to keep keep the tricks, the tips and tricks to right. themselves, but thanks for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. that. Absolutely. Anything to help those guys out. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Keep coming back. Subscribe, like, share, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.